You're listening to the Grace City Boston podcast. If you would like to know more about our church, you can visit our website at gracecityboston.com or follow us on social media at Grace City Boston. Now, let's get to the sermon. With us this morning, if, if I don't know you, my name is Brian and I'm the lead pastor here and so uh, it's great to have you in our space. Our, our elevator's working uh, this Sunday so we can all celebrate uh, as a people, everyone looks uh, way less sweaty, and so it's always a, um, always a real joy when stuff is working. So uh, it just felt like a good morning. It, just, it was like, this is going to be a great morning uh, together. Uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we're in a series uh, called um, In Exile, and basically we've been coming around this question of um, what do you do when you feel uh, like an outsider? Like what... what what do you do when you kind of are looking around in the moment that you find yourself in, uh, kind of the, the social circle moment that you're in, the um, political climate that you're in, the uh, what, whatever it kind of may be in your particular m- moment, and, and what do you do uh, when you feel like you're uh, a, an outsider, when you feel like you're different, right? That's a, essentially what who Peter's writing to, right? And so some of you are having like middle school flashbacks, you know, this morning and like, oh yeah, I can picture that, right? I can picture a time where I was an outsider uh, or I I, I felt that way. And so Peter uh, writes his letter to the church that that really find themselves in a cultural moment as a a religious minority with no cultural influence, uh, with no power, uh, and if anything, it's not even like base level for them. If anything, they are beginning to get the, the kind of the rumblings of a type of persecution and suffering that will mark the, the days of the early church for years and years to come. And so Peter's trying to write to them and say to them, okay, if this is the day and the climate in which we're living, um, wh- what, are we to, wh- what are we to do? And so uh, we've kind of been working through that. Um, and so this morning, uh, if, you're, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Peter, uh, starting in, in chapter 3, verse 8. And so we're going to look at 8 through uh, 12. And so w- you can go back and listen to the, uh, the others. But last week, just kind of briefly, last week we, we basically looked at um, the relationship between, a uh, very kind of flyover summary view of the relationship between us and the government and kind of how we operate in that. We looked at what would traditionally be called the Greek household codes. And so that would be the relationship between a master and a slave and a relationship between, uh, in Peter's context, a believing wife and a non-believing husband. And so we're kind of coming out of very kind of distinct, unique roles or, or positions that people may be in. And now Peter's going to pivot uh, essentially to all of us in, uh, in verse 8 of uh, chapter 3. And so we'll, we'll kind of see it on the front end. But let me pray for us, and then we'll, and then we'll dive in. First Peter 3, starting verse 8, we'll work through 12. Father, we, we are uh, aware of um, uh, the fact that, that you're in this space um, God, that you speak to us through your scriptures. And so we just now, in this moment, uh, invite the Holy Spirit for, uh, to bring about a sense of, of clarity and encouragement and conviction. God, you, you know where each of us are in, in kind of our walk from, from non-believing or, or trying to figure it out to believing or in walking with you for, for years. God, we're, we're all over the spectrum, and, and you understand that. You know that, Father. And so... Uh, we're just going to come around your scripture this morning and, and seek to understand it, seek to, to figure out what it looks like 
uh, for us, what it, how, how it fits kind of in the grand story of things, uh, God. And so would you help us this morning um, that we wouldn't come to this as simply a, a literary kind of work, um, a, a popular type of work, but, but really the words from you uh, that you're seeking to, to speak to your people. You're seeking to reveal your heart to us, your character um, to us, Father. And so we, we just ask for your help, God. We're very aware that we need it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, First Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 8. So uh, coming out of this, look at verse 8 of First Peter um, 3. It says, finally, okay, so there's, here's kind of the turn, right? And, and really the question that we're seeking to answer is what does faithfulness in the way of Jesus look like? Th- that's really what Peter is trying to get at. And so he's been talking about various kind of things and, and how we relate and, and, and these types of things. But the question is really what does faithfulness to Jesus look like? And so in verse 8 he says this. He says, finally, uh, all of you, he's going to identify five kind of different things here that I want to gather around. So he says, finally, all of you, uh, be like-minded and uh, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. And then verse 9, he says, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called to this, so that you may inherit a um, blessing. Okay, uh, so, so of all the things that Peter could say to, to Christians, and he could say lots of things to um, believers that, that refer to our relationship as believers together, um, he's going to first call them because he's going to give us kind of a, a command or a way to live in the second part of these verses. But the, the first kind of five things that he gives us, it, he's actually calling us to be a type of people. So it's not so much a command as it is a type of person or a type of being. And so we talk a lot about this question of uh, not so much a question of right or wrong, although that's an important question. We're not saying throw that question out, right? And And so... That's an important thing. Is this right or is this wrong? But, but I have found, and what we talk about a lot is the more helpful question is, who am I becoming by participating in this? Who am I becoming by meditating on this? Who am I becoming by watching this or listening to this or running around with this crowd or doing this particular thing, right? That's a more valuable question when you think about kind of Christian formation. It's who am I becoming? And so Peter here is going to lay out five different things or five different ideas about the kind of people that we should be. So in the Greek, all of these are, are adjectives, right? So let's have a little, little grammar time together, a little English time, right? Just a little refresher. Um, adjectives are what? They're, they're words that describe the qualities or the states of being of nouns, right? That's what an adjective is. So he, he's kind of laying it out for us and saying, uh, these are ways of being. Th- this is who you are. Uh, this is, is qualities. Okay, so five things. Uh, let's look at them. Uh, They'll be on the screen. I'll run through them. This is what he says. He says, I want you to be like-minded, or perhaps your translation says harmonious. I want you to be sympathetic. I want you to love one another, or perhaps your translation says brotherly love. Number four, he says, I want you to be compassionate or kind-hearted. Again, this is the type of people that he wants us to be. And then fifthly, he says, I want you to be humble or to have a humble mind. So he's describing the five types of things or the type, five types of ways in which we should uh, be as a people, and then he's going to get into a command. So first one, he says, I want you to be like-minded or harmonious. Uh, this is not, and, and it's really important, uh, this is not a call to sameness, right? Uh, Jesus doesn't call his church and his people to uh, uniformity. 
in, in that sense, right? The, the, the biblical call, the beauty of the gospel, is uh, a call to all people from all backgrounds, right? It's a call to uh, diversity. It's a call to uh, various gifts, right? That's why, why when Jesus talks about who we are, when Paul talks about who we are, we're a body with all individual members that are working uh, together. And so he says, I want you to be uh, like-minded. So it's not about the same t- taste or gifts or habits, but, but uh, about the, essentially saying, I want you to have the same thoughts about life and direction. I want you to have the essentials of life together, walking in the way of Jesus, seeking the gifts of the Spirit, working to have the fruits of the Spirit. If you're trying to align yourself, we're, we're all collectively trying to align ourselves with the way of Jesus as we see it laid out in the Scripture, as we understand it through the history of the church. So he says, I want you to have this like-mindedness to you, type of harmony. The second thing that he says uh, is I want you to be sympathetic. I want you to um, be the type of person who, can, who has the ability to feel what other people are feeling, uh, to be able to respond with sensitivity to need, right? This is this idea of um, understanding what it means to be able to mourn with, with people when mourning is necessary and to uh, celebrate when uh, celebrating is necessary, when to sit in confusion in con- kind of confusing states. This is about having sympathy towards individuals and, and loving, being the type of person who is essentially seeking the welfare of your neighbor. So not, not being a type of person who just simply flies by or... or um, has this kind of list of things it needs to accomplish throughout the day, but it's a person who's willing to stop and say, hey, can I help you? How do I respond to this particular uh, need? And so Peter is saying, hey, look out for one another, care for one another. Be this type of individual. Slow down, look up. Be sympathetic to the world and the needs uh, around you. Uh, number three, he says, I want you to love one another with a, a brotherly type of love. So this is essentially the idea of like, w- in the church, we're, we're called to not view each other as strangers or acquaintances, but as brothers and sisters. And, and the love and the affection that you feel, right? Well, we all have pretty dysfunctional families. Uh, I, the ideal love that you should feel towards your brother or sister or family or whatever, right? I mean, he says this is the type of love, this familial type of love is the type of love that we should be practicing inside of the church. So not a love that is based on, hey, what can you do for me and what can I do for you, but a, 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 a familial love, like this is my brother or sister, so I'm going to respond um, as that. Fourth thing that he says is he says, I want you to be um, compassionate. Now, the word here is not about conduct. This is important. So, so the Greek here, if you were looking at this particular word in the Greek, it literally means like your, your inward parts or your belly. So when they use this, um, the, the literal translation says, feel generous in your belly, like, like deep within you. So, so your disposition to care for others runs deeply inside of you. So you're following the way of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You're reading the scriptures. You're living in community. You, you are going to, this is what he says, you're going to be kind-hearted, compassionate. It's going to dwell deeply inside of you. It's really kind of beautiful language. And then number five, he says, I want you to be um, humble, humble individual. It's not thinking much of yourself, thinking much of, of others, considering others more significant than yourself, right? Not, not filled up with, with pride. And, and so, Pete, so, so Peter lays these things out. He says, okay, now these are the type of people that we should be. We should have these type of five kind of traits that are operating uh, inside of, of who we are. This is, this is the type of individual um, that I want you to be. I want you to be 
um, like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, compassionate, humble, uh, of humble um, mind, understanding that, that this is uh, what that looks like. This is, this is how we're to be. Now, a couple of observations here, three observations I just want to say, and then we'll dive into the what to do out, outside of that. Um, here are three things we think about these, these traits. First thing, uh, all, all five of these things, being formed into a type of person that is practicing these types of things, all five of these things require intention. They, they all require intentionality in your life. I mean, you're not going to be harmonious, humble, compassionate without an intentional work to become that type of person. All intentional. You, you, you will not drift into being a harmonious person. Right? You, you won't drift into being a cap- compassionate individual. It, it'll be a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It'll be a work of in surrounding yourself in community and studying the scriptures, becoming like Jesus. All these things will require intention. Uh, second thing, it kind of should go without saying, but um, proximity is necessary for all of these things. Again, Peter's writing to the church. He's writing to the community of believers. So this would be, I don't know, somewhere between probably 75 to 100 people that Peter's writing to. It's a small group. It's not a large kind of... Uh, setting and situation and and all of these things require proximity to one another like real proximity right this is how you can be sympathetic or compassionate as you know the needs of your brother and sister and you know the needs of your brother and sister because you're you're in community with them and you're sharing your needs you're you're sharing what's going on in your life and they're sharing what's going on in their life there's like an actual type of proximity that's happening thirdly uh, all three of these things uh, all three or all five of these things are costly. They're going to cost you your time, your resources, your attention. Like there will be some type of capital from your life that it will cost you in order to um, be and be formed into this type of person. But, but Peter's trying to drill it. He's like, okay, I need you to get this. I, I need you to understand this. This is who Jesus is making us into. This was his life. This was a characteristic of who he was. Okay, drop down uh, back to verse 8, um, 8 and 9 of 1 Peter 3. So he says, out of being this type of person, here's what I want you to do. And this is where I want to primarily spend our time this, this morning, Verse Peter 3, 8 and 9. He says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Verse 9, so now he's going to get into uh, what he wants us to do as a result of being this type of person. He says, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but, okay, so there's the conjunction, right? So there's the turn in the sentence. So he says, I don't want you to be a person who returns to evil for evil or insult for insult. This is what I want you to be or this is what I want you to do. He says, on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called to this so that you may inherit a blessing. Okay, this is, this is really powerful. And I, I really want to land. I want you to understand it because what I, what I primarily want to talk about this morning is what does it mean to speak blessing into the life of others? Because this is what he says, right? He says, I want you to be a people who give blessing, who, who don't pay back evil for evil or insults for insults. I want you to speak blessing. He's essentially saying this. I want you to speak blessings over people, not curses. Blessings, not curses. Uh, what is a blessing exactly? Let's define it. 
So the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, define it in, in various ways. So the Old Testament blessing comes from the Hebrew word uh, barak. It means to speak the intention of God and to be happy with where you are. The New Testament uses two uh, Greek words to describe bless, uh, markarius, uh, uh, which we get the concept of happiness, and the Greek word uh, that we get, uh, essentially we get the word for eulogy from, eulogia. Eulogia means to speak larger or well of, or to speak, here, hear this, or to speak the intention or favor of God onto someone. So just as we think about eulogies or tailor-made, uh, so are blessings. When we talk about blessing someone on a practical level, we're prophetically saying to them, may God's full expectation for you be fulfilled in your life. Right? We, we know that God's intentions for people are good. This is what it means to speak blessing into the life of someone. Dallas Willard writes, blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. Blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. So Peter says, when you're spoken against or when you're insulted, right, your natural disposition to being insulted or being spoken against is to insult back, right? That, that's mine. Maybe you're here and you're like, no, man, I just, not, my natural disposition to be insulted is like, thank you, that felt good, I really love it, my, you know, my self-esteem is super high, right? Uh, no, most of us, natural disposition, right, is to insult back, right, is to speak contempt, right? So, I mean, th this is just, this is who we are, right? We can be in church, we can leave, you're like, you're checking your phone, you're like, okay, I've got the train lined up, right, I'm, I've got to, like, get, just got it perfect, and, and I've got it set up, and then you walk up, and you see the train, and you're like, oh, glory, hallelujah, like, it's here, and it's working, and you get up, and the door shuts, and you're like, hey, will you open the door, and he's like, no, nah. and then you stand there and watch it, right, what's coming out of your mouth? Curses, right, maybe literal, right, um, and so Peter says your, your natural disposition is to want to speak curses, but, but what you've been called to in the way of Jesus is to speak blessing, the intention of good into the life of people. This is um, what he is, is calling you uh, to, that there's a, a tremendous amount of, of power in not speaking bad against people. Um, speaking curses over and speaking bad about others will not bring ultimate change into the way of Jesus in the life of people. It just won't. And, and there's, a, there's a type of, um, you'll, unlike, you'll unlock a type of awareness to God in people when you begin to speak blessings into the lives of people. You'll, you'll unlock a type of awareness to God in, in their life. Um, someone speaking blessing over me actually was, was pretty pivotal to my conversion story. I became a Christian when I was 15, and um, I had a youth leader. His name was Mark Chandler. And, and Mark, for whatever reason, I'm assuming being led by the Holy Spirit, uh, decided that he would take uh, uh, this kind of 15-year-old kid and uh, I was a bit talkative, right? I, I was kind of the guy that you pull off to the side. You know, he, there was a constant, you know, part of the blessings was like correction. Um, and so I would be just the guy that always had like a comment, right? And, and it was usually not at the right moment and sometimes inappropriate. And so, um, and so Mark just took it upon him to speak blessing into my life. And, and was really intentional about how he did that. And so he'd speak words of encouragement into my life. And he would uh, identify uh, ways in which he felt like God was calling me. Or he would identify gifts that, that he felt like um, 
was, was I was like exhibiting, right, that, that were kind of there. And it was actually a part of Mark kind of speaking blessing into my life and, and over me that, that really allowed me to begin to see the, the goodness and the beauty and the, the truth of the gospel in the way of Jesus. It, it, was, it was him um, speaking uh, that. His, his example has actually served me over the last 20 years in, in a lot of different ways. It's really tried to mimic much of, of what he has, has done. Is to speak blessing right. We we kind of get this right. We have a modern example of blessing. So, um, if you're going to get you know, if you're going to marry someone and uh, you're, you're traditionally right. If you're the groom, you're traditionally you're trying to have a conversation with someone you know connected to the family. Maybe it's a parent, a mom, or a dad, or maybe it's a grandparent, depending on the family dynamics, right? And and what are you doing? You're kind of going to them and you're saying, hey, I would like to you know marry her. Is there a way, you know, um, are you okay with that? You know, like you're just trying to, you know, what, what is that, right? And, and some of you would say that's, you know, old-fashioned or whatever. You're wrong. All right, so, um, no, but I'm just trying to give us an example here. Okay, so what, do you, what you're saying is you, you want that particular individual who practices leadership uh, or is a, a, a type of authority over the life of the person that you love, um, you essentially want them to say, like my example, right, what I want is them to say, man, that's, that's my son-in-law. That's my future son-in-law, right? And I'm for him. I, I, I care about him. I love him. I'm, 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 I want the good for him, right? I want him to prosper. Th- this, is, this is what we're, we're going after. We're trying to seek a blessing in that moment, right? In this kind of, uh, this kind of wedding moment, right? Okay, so this is the, this to speak intention or, or good um, over others is, is something that, that, kind of that we get, I think, in, in our cultural moment we get as well. But, but it's also, um, so blessing's a powerful thing, right? So this could be speaking gospel truth into the life of uh, a non-believer, helping them see the way of Jesus. It's not limited to that. I think in a lot of different ways, we, we should be speaking blessings into each other as Christian as well. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, speaking curses has a tremendous amount of power as well. A tremendous amount of destruction has been happened because of speaking uh, curses, and, and I don't want to go off the rails too much here, uh, but, but a lot of you could speak to the dangers of having a curse spoken over you. When I say curse, I'm not talking Harry Potter, you know, situation. There's not, you're not, you're just like, yeah, I walked in and there was a cauldron, and you know, that's not what we're, that's not, that's not what we're going after. But, but some of you, I want you to hear me very clearly. Some of you are currently living out of the curses that were, were spoken over you as a teenager. They were spoken over you as, as a kid. And your, your mom or your dad or, or someone said something detrimental to you. And you've been living out of that, that curse that they spoke over to you, uh, like even now. And so you're, you're seeking um, power or you're, you're seeking, you know, some type of relational harmony for others. You're speaking, you're trying to get love from others be, be, because you... Um, because you had some kind of, of wound, right, like, like deeply inside of you, right? I mean, majority of us, right? If you've ever been to counseling, eight, what's, what, 95% of our problems are what? Parental wounds, right? You just get in that room, and you, you can have some, like, conversation. It's coming down to your parents. That's just right. That, that's just, like, just, Freud was, like, not totally wrong. Like, his, his final result and resolution was totally off base. But, like, most of us is, like, yeah, it's, it's actually my mom. 
You know, like we, we kind of got that. Not my mom, if you're listening, not my mom. Uh, but your mom's. Your mom's. Um, my mom is incredible and <laughs> m- made nothing but great choices. Okay, so, uh, but, but, but the reality is, is that you're, you're, you're living out of that. You're, you're, you're practicing unhealthy choices because of curses in your life. And it could be from being a kid or a teenager. It could be from your professional career. A supervisor says something to you. You never make it. Uh, You're just really bad at this. You're just not the right fit. Whatever it it is. I'm I'm not saying correction is wrong. That's not what we're talking about here. But we're we're talking about things that have been said to you that you're you're now carrying in your inner world that are creating a, a type of destructive pattern in your life. This is, this is the power of a, of a curse. In, in my own, I, th- I've had multiple times in my kind of own professional career uh, as, as a, a pastor, I can find myself operating out of various curses that were spoken over me. And, and, I, and I can find myself in unhealthy moments thinking, I'll, I'll show you. Oh, is that right? That's what you think about me? I'll, I'll show you. And, and I can find myself not, not motivated by the way of Jesus, not, not operating out of a place of health, but kind of recognizing and going, oh, I'll show you. Regardless of, of what stands in front of me, the, the means by which I get it, if I'm driven by that unhealthy curse in my life, right? I had a boss in my life uh, who the majority of his adult years um, we're, we're pretty destructive from a leadership standpoint. And he can identify, he, he got, you know, underneath it. And this will be shocking, it was his dad. And, uh, and he, he got to a place where there was one moment his dad spoke a curse over him as a, as a kid. And he'd been living out, out, out of that curse. His, in, his entire adult life lived up to that point. It followed him around. And so Peter says, I want you to speak blessing and not curses. You're going to want to insult. You're going to want to destroy. You're going to want to, to be that type of individual. But, but he says, those walking in the way of Jesus are those who are trying to speak um, the, the, the intention of good into the life of people. Uh, John Ortberg says this about cursing others. This is such a powerful quote. He, he says, I used to think that, that cursing someone meant uh, swearing at them or, or putting a hex on them. So it was pretty easy to avoid uh, because I did not swear much or I did not do hexes. But uh, as I realized uh, how wrong I had been, he says, you, you can curse someone with an eyebrow. You can curse someone with a shrugged shoulder. I've seen a husband curse a wife uh, by leaving just the tiniest delay before saying, of course, I love you. He says, the better you know someone, the more subtly and cruelly you can curse them. He says, I've seen a husband just for the delay, and of, of course, I love you. Speak a, a curse, right? This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, his command to the church at Rome, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not curse. Okay. So, so Peter says, curses shouldn't come from us. Um, 
right, that this, this, is, this is difficult, this is hard, uh, this is not the way of Jesus. And, and maybe you're in the room and you're like, that's, man, that's great command, I, I love that, that's awesome. Uh, how in the world am I supposed to, <laughs> how in the world am I supposed to do that? Like, how, how is that actually going to work itself out in my life because I got some stuff um, going on? I'm glad you asked that. Let, let's take a little bit of a journey together. So Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. So I, I, would, I need to list a little bit of a kind of a biblical journey here. Hopefully it, it'll help us see how we can bless others. And, and essentially, just to kind of give you on the front end what it is, we can operate as a blessing to other people and bless other people essentially because God has blessed us. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Uh, 27 28 creation story says this god created man in his own image he created him in the image of god he created him male and female right so crucial to the triune nature of god is male and female now i want you to notice what happens here between 27 and 28 so he says i'm creating you male and female and this is significant verse 28 what does god do directly after creating them he does what we can say it together he does what he blesses them now, my assumption was always, what, that he created and then sent the cultural mandate to now what? To care for the earth and, and to use your gifts and, and to, to plow the ground of the field. Like, that was my kind of, if I think about the creation narrative, my thought was always male and female. He creates them, gives them the, uh, what we call the cultural mandate, right? To care for the earth, to care for the ground, to, to care for the animals. He actually doesn't do that. That's not the order. He creates them male and female, and then God blesses them. And then he gives them a cultural mandate. So he, he blesses them. It's, it's a pretty remarkable thought. And, and so in the beginning, Adam and Eve are working from what? They're working from blessing. They're, they're working from receiving a, a blessing. So, so they're working from blessing, not for blessing, Right? They're not working to receive the blessing of God. They're working from a position of blessing. They're working out of it. Well, if you know your Bible, if you're familiar with your Bible at all uh, or, or not familiar, you, you've probably come to realize uh, that it does not all stay well. Uh, Adam and Eve, they do not bless creation. They do not take up this kind of Peter call that, that we've received about uh, being a blessing. They don't do that through living out the blessing they got from God. They're deceived uh, by the serpent, the one we call Satan. Uh, and, and what happens? What, what, what happens? I want you to see this tie-in, right? So Adam and Eve have determined, this is what happens in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve have determined to work not out of the blessing of God. They've determined to do it their own way. So they have the blessing of God, but they've determined to not work out of the, the blessing. If you read uh, Genesis 3, what you'll see is that as a result of their disobedience, they all experience a curse. A a every, every single one of them. So the, the serpent is cursed to walk the ground. He says childbearing is going to be painful. Uh, to the man, he says that the ground will be cursed. It will work against you. Hear me. There is no prosperity apart from God. No prosperity. Not real prosperity. Not real joy. Won't happen. They started living under the curse, Genesis 3, that fast. Now, now you're like, I thought we were talking about um, how to do this, and it feels like we're getting further away from how to, to do this. What's well, a fascinating thing, the, the Bible, um, I love the, the way that it's laid out. You, you quickly kind of begin to see that God begins to pick up the pieces from the, the brokenness of not living out of the curse. So Genesis 3, 15, 
um, he says to the serpent as a part of the curse, he says, I'll put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike uh, his heel. So this is a, proc- uh, a gospel proclamation uh, in the, the very beginning of the creation story. He says, one is coming, Satan, who will dis- destroy you. He will smash your head. He will destroy you. So we're beginning to see this kind of proclamation. And, and now look what God does. Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 3. God begins to set a people apart. I want you to follow this because it's going to get us to blessing. Uh, God decides to set a people apart. So he comes to Abram, uh, which is a, a, a man that's living at this time. Genesis 12, 1 and 3. Look what happens. It says the Lord came to Abram, right? Now, you may know him as Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, Father Abraham, and many sons. Right, okay, so that's like a kid song. Some of you are like, look it up later. Um, so, so he comes to Abram in, in 2, 1, and 3. And it says, the Lord said to Abram, I want you to hear this. Go from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to a land that I will show you. He calls him to live as an exile, right? Okay, verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. And he says what? I will bless you and I will make your name great and he what does he say the role and responsibility of Abraham and his people will be what to be a blessing so he says you'll be a blessing verse 3 I will bless those who bless you I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be what will be blessed through you okay so blessing is now returning to humanity see it he's called a people and they're, they're bringing about blessings. So it's going to be tied to Abraham's land uh, line. It's going to be tied to obedience and the commands of God. Deuteronomy 11, 26, and 28. Uh, it says, look, today I set before you a blessing and a curse. There will be a blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you today. And a curse if you do not obey the commands of the Lord God. And you will turn aside. And you turn aside from the path I command you today by following other gods that you have not known. And so the whole Old Testament. Here's what you notice. If you watch the whole Old Testament, the whole layout is they just can't quite get that dialed in. God's poured out his blessing on them. He says, man, I'm, I'm going to bless you, and then out of you, your role and responsibility will be to bless others. And they just can't get it dialed in. Can't figure it out. It doesn't seem to be working, right? And, and you look at it, and it's, and it's honest. It's like, Peter, dude, I get it, but like, how are we going to do this? How's this going to happen? How are we going to speak blessings? Well, if you fast forward to the Old Testament, um, and, and you got to get this. If you fast forward to the New Testament, so, so we're living under the curse of Genesis. Uh, we're, we're, we're born into brokenness and sin. This base level Christianity, right? We're born into, into sin. This is, this is who we are as a people. And so we experience the hardship that we experience. We, we can't of our own energy bless others. Like we, you, can't, you can't just kind of will it out of your energy. We, we just don't have that as a, as a source. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Galatia. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Dude, the Bible, man, is fascinating. 13 and 14. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. The purpose, verse 14, the purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive 
the promised spirit through faith. So you see this full circle moment here. So the full circle moment is, right, how, how do we bless those who persecute us, right? The, the so the curse is a choice to step out of the blessing and to determine I'm going to do it my own way. What we see in the scripture is that through Jesus, we're given new life, right? So his life, death, and resurrection, we're given a, a way for it, a way to be reconciled with, with the Father. He, he mentions the law here. Uh, the law basically shows us that what? We can't be morally perfect. We, we break it. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I've lied at some point. I've stolen. I've practiced envy at some point. I've um, idolized other things in my life at some point. Like that, that's what he's saying. Like we're, we're under the law. We're recognizing that we're in this curse. And he says, um, Jesus is the one that breaks the curse. Paul in Ephesians 1.3, he says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who what? What through Jesus? Who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Look at this. Jesus, go ahead and throw this up, Nikki. It says, Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we may be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus died our death that we may share his life. Jesus became poor with our poverty that we might inherit his riches. Jesus bare our shame that we may share his glory. Jesus endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance as children of God. And Jesus became a curse that we might walk in blessing. How do we do it? We, we do it through Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. This is why Peter can say, be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, compassionate, humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. But on the contrary, give a blessing. You are called to this, to be a people who bless. Okay, so what does this practically look like to bless others? Just four things here. I'll, I'll move quickly. Four things, so uh, you can take these. Hopefully, they'll be a help to you. Four ways in, in, in which we can bless um, others. Uh, first thing, some of these are negative, some of these are in the positive. Uh, the first thing is we must watch our hurtful speech. We have to be careful not to curse others. James 3, 9 through 12, look what James says here. He says, with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters are a grapevine produce figs. Neither can salt water spring yield from fresh water. He says blessing and cursing cannot come from the same mouth. First uh, Peter 3, 10 through 11. If you kick down to where we've just been reading, Peter says, For the one who wants to love his life and to see good days, what will he do? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from uh, speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. So he says, you, you watch, you guard your tongue from evil. You guard yourself from speaking deceit. Uh, a few verses down, 1 Peter 4, 11, uh, he says this, again, to the church. If anyone speaks, let him be one who speaks God's words. If you're speaking, you speak as one who speaks God's words. Full of compassion and love, generosity. These are the type of people that we speak. Uh, a past friend of mine named John Tyson, um, he, uh, <laughs> we were talking about this one time, and, and he basically posed the question, he's like, you know, sometimes we just have to go on uh, repentance revival. 
and, and he's like, there should be it, essentially times in our life where we kind of go around and go, oh, man, I got to own some stuff. I, I got I to gotta actually, I've, I've done some harm. And, and I'm going to need to do some, I'm going to need to do some work here. Say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for, I had blessings and curses coming out of my mouth. Second thing, so, so first thing is we have to watch uh, our harmful speech. The second thing is uh, we, we have to be intentional about noticing and encouraging others. Um, it's a really powerful thing to speak encouraging words over somebody. Like an incredible, powerful thing. I don't know if you've ever done it before, you've ever experienced it in your own life. It's incredibly powerful. My, my neighbor came out the other day, this probably speaks more about me, but uh, my five-year-old, we were out, we were out in the, the driveway, we were playing ball and, and doing different stuff like that and playing baseball and so, or basketball. I'm trying to keep him away from baseball. So I'm just kidding, guys, I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, so we're out, just all the time we're out there playing and like messing around and doing whatever. And my neighbor always sees us, he, he, he's uh, a married guy and he's always working. And so he was pulling out one day and um, <laughs> he goes, man, he's like, you're such a good dad. And I was like, thanks, dude, that's really cool. And so he left, and I, I just, like, wanted to cry in that moment. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's like one of those things where someone says something to you, like, really just, like, they don't think it's a big deal, and then, and then you just kind of go in the corner, and you're like, oh, you know, you're just dying. Uh, I, told, I told Katie, my wife, I was like, babe, he said I was a good dad. I wanted to just cr crumble and cry. I'm not really sure what that says about me. I'll talk to my counselor later. Um, Something incredibly powerful about that, about speaking words of encouragement, blessing over people. And I see you. We, we need you. I see your gifting here, recognizing this calling on your life. I see it. We got we to do this. This is what it means to speak blessing over the life of people. Man, you got leadership in your life, or, or I'm seeing your, your ability to think and the way you operate, the way you put numbers in places, the way you kind of do this. You're so creative, and, and I can just see, like, this takes no work from you to be this type of, like, we got to speak words of encouragement to the life of people. Um, parents, don't leave gaps in your kids' hearts for them to fill in with assumptions. Don't, don't, leave your, don't leave your kids any doubt about what you feel about them. Because they'll fill in those gaps with other assumptions. You speak words of life, encouragement. Thirdly, so we've got to watch our harmful speech. We've got to um, live with intention, noticing and encouraging others. Number three, we have to do repair. In some ways connected with, with the first one, we have to do repair where needed. Um, man, there's, there's times I've just had to, honestly, I've had to do, like, do this with, uh, with my daughter in particular. She's an 11-year-old girl, so I'm really dialed in. Uh, and there's just times where I've just had to own, like, gosh, I've, I've, I've like, harmed her. And i got to own that. So I bless him by speaking blessing over her, right? I've been speaking curses over her by what I say. And, and, and so I've just had to own that before her. I've had to own that before my wife. And, and just like, I, man, this is what your dad thinks about you, and I'm sorry. So some of you need to do repair where necessary, right? Maybe it's with your spouse, maybe it's with your kids, maybe it's with a friend, a coworker, maybe it's a mom and dad, brother or sister. And, and then fourthly, and I'll pray and close for us. Fourthly, uh, we have to, to intercede as a mediator through prayer. You know, one of the most powerful ways that we can speak blessings into the life of others is to intercede on their behalf before God. 
to intercede on their behalf. God, would you bless them? God, would you give them their heart's desire? God, I, I know that they're kind of walking through this or they're, they're struggling with this particular thing. God, would you just care for them this morning? I just want to intercede on their behalf. Maybe, maybe they're, they're hurting. They're a moment where they, they can't pray. God, I'm just coming before them and interceding on their behalf. God, would you bless them? They, they don't have the confidence right now to ask you for that. They're not doing that. God, would you, I'm going to do it for them. I'm going to carry the load and the burden for them right now. So how do we speak blessing? How do we not insult or not curse? We speak blessing through interceding on their behalf through prayer. See that? So Peter says, this is the type of people that you're to be. Sympathetic, compassionate, kind. You're, you're aligned, you have brotherly love towards one another. And then he says, your responsibility out of that is to be a blesser, not a curser. So let's take some time now. Why don't we just kind of back